Hey guys, just Josh here. Welcome to Ballarat Talks. Proudly sponsored by the Region Cinema. Yeah, you, yeah. you were putting the balls on the line there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I moved, I moved out of home when I was 14, so it sort of comes really my face. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys, with Troy Driscoll. Alright, today's guest, uh, I know him very well. He is uh, a father of three, soon to be four. Look at the camera, look here, mate. <laughs> owner of uh, Driscoll Ag and uh, part owner of Driscoll Douglas East Real Estate. He's also my uncle. Welcome, Troy Driscoll. Well, thank you, Joshua. Good to, good to see you. Um, now, just, just for preference, his business is in Miramara, but he is moving to Ballarat. Miramara and Sonata. Well, Miramara and Sonata. We'll get into that. Um, but I, I thought I'd have him on because I, I know a fair bit about his story and I, I think. Um, I think a lot of people will get a fair bit out of it. So, start us off, Troy. Um, what got you into the agriculture business for a start? Well, we obviously grew up on a family farm. Mm. Um, God's country. Mum and, mum and dad, not, no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> it is. God's country. Yeah. It's nice, it's picturesque. Mm. Um, mum and dad, and obviously your father, Wayne, and myself, there's only two of us, and um, grew up there. I sort of always enjoyed the farm, but I wasn't as driven as Wayne was with the farm. He loved his sheep, and he was out there every Sunday, and he'd be out there crutching sheep, the same sheep, uh, every, <laughs> yeah, over and over, over and over, <laughs> those, and drenched. They'd be drenched ten times a year, and crutched ten times a year, and shorn three times a year. I never had that same passion, but I, I still enjoyed agriculture. I just wasn't quite sure where I, where I wanted to head with it. So, um, so when I finished school in year eleven. I didn't want to go any further there. I could have gone on and done my VCE, I guess, but I was more interested in agriculture and probably getting my career underway, and I saw nothing, what I was doing at um, secondary school, that was flicking any switches for me. So I went up to Longerdong Agricultural College at Horsham, um, and just uh, my first course was a certificate in farming, advanced certificate in farming, I think it was which was a two-year course, which basically just led me into the advanced diploma in agricultural services, which is what I did in the third year. Um, so I did that, obviously, for three years, and um, stayed home in the farm for a little while because Dad was crook at that stage. Um, pa was crook. Pa was crook, yeah. He had, he had Ross River fever there. And he really was flat. For a bloke who's been quite energetic, where he was when he was younger, 70-odd mm. now, he's slowed up a bit, but... Um, <laughs> He was quite energetic and, and worked long hours, and as all farmers do, so he it hit him like a brick wall. So it was about the same time as I finished my course. So I stayed home in a farm for probably six or 12 months and did a bit of part-time work around with shearing sheds and roushing and helping other farmers out uh, until he got a little bit better, and then he pretty much said, uh, righto, move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was either, either I move on or I was, uh, yeah, I was getting a bit uh, frustrated as well. But yep. there was, basically there was no opportunity for... Wayne, your father and myself, to come home in the home farm. It wasn't quite big enough. And so, so Dad was a big advocate of pushing us out and saying, right, I get out and find your own find your own way in life. And I'm, I'm so glad, we're both so glad he did. Mm. So I got a job over at um, a merchandise outlet in Maryborough. Um, that's Cram- where I started Cramries. my career. Cramries. Yeah, Cranberries, yeah. yeah. When I was 20. Yep. And that's where I guess I started my career, yeah. And you... So from my memory, this is me growing up, so obviously there's going to be some hazy stories here and you can fill them in. Yeah. But I always remember Brenda and Lyle telling me, or Brenda, for example, Brenda used to say, um, Troy had nothing when he was 26 or 27. I can't remember, not nothing, but like you had, you you started out with a small loan of 5K to start Driscoll Seeds at the time. Yep. Um, And so how did you, how come you left Cranberries to go into that? No, so I worked at Cranberries for three years and really enjoyed it. I had a great boss there, Bernie Cranberry, and he pretty much let me evolve his business um, in the merchandise and got me side of things that I had a passion for, and he just pretty much said, open book, go and do what you want to do uh, within his business. And um, so I did that for three years. Then there was an opportunity to come up to work for a, uh, a, a seed company called Pioneer Seeds. Um, they were a multinational company and there was an opportunity to be um, to get a job as an area sales manager for Victoria, South Australia, a bit of Tasmania. I was 23 at the time. I had no commitment, so I thought I would just roll the dice and get out there and get some more education in in, um, in agriculture. So what a better way of doing it than, than getting paid to travel around and 
and uh, learn and, and meet farmers and meet industry people. So I did that for three years. I was a bit hard leaving Bernie. Um, in Victoria? Well, I, I still was lived in, in Carisbrook near Maribor, yeah. um, but I travelled right through Victoria, um, South Australia and Tasmania. And basically, Victoria was sort of semi-set up the way Piney wanted it structured from a distribution point of view, but I had to develop the rest of um, the southern part of Victoria and also start developing South Australia with a distribution system to sell our product range and a bit into New um, Tasmania. So um, that was really interesting. I mean, I went over to New Zealand on trips, um, travelled right, you know, obviously in Queensland, right through Australia um, and met a lot of people and learned a hell of a lot. Um, so I did that for three years and then there was an opening to start Driscoll Seeds as it was back then um, as an agent because Pioneer, the company I was working for, had a wholesale distribution system so they didn't go directly to resellers like Elders and Landmark and those sort of stores yep. um, back then so they did it through a wholesale um, agent who um, basically serviced that on their behalf. So there was an opportunity in central Victoria. So I guess I put my hand up. I spoke to my boss at the time from Pioneer and I said, can I have a crack at this? I always wanted to start my own business. And he said, uh, yeah, no worries if you if that's what you want to do. As Once again, I was only still 26 and had no strings attached. Wasn't yep. married or kids or anything like that. So um, if, if I failed, then I'd get a, I'd fall on my feet somewhere else. Didn't worry yep. me too much. Yep. Um, so I did it. I had, had to provide them with a business plan of how I was going to make it work. And so they gave me the green light. The only thing then was I had no money. <laughs> I had five grand. I think I sold a few shares. Because I probably wasn't a very good saver. Obviously, I was, I was getting paid reasonable money for what I was doing in those other two jobs. But What were you doing? Where were you spending that? Well, I was young and wild. Socialising. I've been a bad socialiser in my time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's all I had. So Dad uh, went into the bank with me, and he he was a guarantor for a twenty five thousand dollar credit card, which was used to, uh, I guess, pay my running expenses and that sort of thing. Yeah. But that was it. It wasn't a loan. It was just a credit card facility that, if I couldn't pay that back, then Dad was going to have to cover that, which never happened, thankfully. Yeah. I did that for a couple of years and and released him from his duties, if you like. Um, and uh, since then, I've gone under, under my own steam. Yeah. So, yeah, 5K. Um, I had a little shed in Maryborough. Um, Same was, one? They were in there? No. no. no, no it was, a, it was a, a print group shed. Uh, Maryborough is big in, uh, in, in printing, yeah. printing of brochures and magazines, whatever else. So there was a guy up there who had a shed he wasn't using. Um, so he charged me $1,000 a year. $1,000. $1,000 a year. Right? $1,000 a year. <laughs> wow, we. Um, How big was it? We paid that a week now. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It was, oh, it was a reasonable size. I, I could store probably 100 pellets of seed in there. Oh my God. Then the forklift was from another business just up the road and they cost me a slab of grog every month. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest I just had a ute in the trailer and off I'd go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did that for three years, three or four years, and then felt as though I needed to evolve the business and um, looked around for sheds, hence, and, and found that shed that we're now in today. Yep. Why, um, so you only set out to make 60k a year from memory, I think you said to me one day. Well, I was only on, with Pioneer, I was on 30th, might have got the 40k plus a car. Mind you, that was, I was 26, so I, did, I was happy with that. Yeah. It was more the experience back then too, more than the money. Um, it was, it was you, you can't buy experience. Mm. You, you can earn money down the track, that'll come if you're good enough at what you do. Um, so, yeah, um, I started off on that, but I, I think I set me guys, me budgets at, you know, same as 40, 50 grand. Yeah. I guess I felt if I was good enough at it, it would all come along down the track. It's turned out all right now, hasn't it? It's awesome. Yep. <laughs> um, do you feel like the ag industry's changed from when you first started to now or not? Not for sure. It's, it's, um, it's, it's changed in the last 12 months, two or three years. It's changing all the time, agriculture. It's like everything, but ag's a big part of the Australian market, I guess, if you like. It's a big industry. Exports and um, imports and those sort of things. Um, we probably haven't actually covered what you actually... Give the rundown of actually what the business does. Okay. So 
So Driscoll Seeds started in, in, in March 2000 as a wholesale agent for seeds, uh, cropping seeds, Lucent, Canola, May seed, inoculants, microbial products, those sort of things, which was more niche markets back then. So I did that for um, about 10 years, um, distributing that through Central Victoria, um, to, as I said, to elders and to, well, Nutrient now, not Landmark, um, and other similar businesses. Um, during that time, I uh, also went into pasture seed and just tried to revolutionise my business a bit more and have, offer more of an offering or supply more of an offering to our local retail customers. So I started to tap into the retail market, um, but the bulk of the market was wholesale. So I did that for till 2010, just before 2010, 2009, I got a bit of a, a sort of a sniff that Pioneer were gonna change the way they distributed their product. So I flew up to Queensland and, and fronted them because I- You flew to Queensland to say what's going on? Yeah, I did, on. I did. Yeah. Well, the guy who was, who was in charge of Pioneer Australia was my old boss. Right. So I phone went up call, there and- Phone call wouldn't have done it? No. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking, no. we're, we're talking raising money for me back then too. Yeah. Um, still raising money today. <laughs> so we, we went and did it eye to eye and he was good enough to tell me exactly what their vision was in the next six to 12 months. So pretty much um, picked me drop off the ground and thought, well, I've got to find 300K extra bottom line um, somewhere else because that's not going to happen in the next six to 12 months. It was either shut the doors yep. or um, evolve into something else. So. I was very bitter about it at the time, but I guess I'll tell you what, in hindsight, it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because it forced me into change and it forced me into where we are today, um, which is which is a completely different business. So um, we did, we, in 2010, we joined a, a, a buying group called um, NRI, National Rural Independence, and they're like, a, there's a hundred odd businesses um, around Australia. They're all privately owned, similar to mine, bigger and smaller, and they um, they formed their own group, and uh, yeah, we joined that in 2010, and we started doing animal health, merchandise, all those things, uh, seed fertiliser, um, and after, in 2013, there's a few things happened, so the business was still growing during that time, we'd moved into the new premise where we are now, um, we'd, we'd had three or four staff on, on board at that stage and everything was going quite well but in 2013 um, I had happened to me what happens to quite a few or too many people in business I, I got a bad debt and had a, a client not not a local client from around this area um, it was actually from down near Melbourne way I remember this yeah I, I don't know why I remember this I don't know how old I would have been but I remember being at the back of Nanisman Bars and sitting on like that deck annex place, and you and Dad rocking up. You you and Dad walking out in the suits. I'm like, what are they doing? And you're like, oh, I've got to go to court or whatever. But I don't think I ever found out what it was actually. No, for. that was actually another thing. Oh, was it? Yeah, that's still with your father, not me. Oh, was it? <laughs> go away, no. That was another thing. Yeah, we go, we go won't on. touch. We won't touch on that one. <laughs> that was all good. That was all just the business deal that went wrong that we had the front, but that was that all sorted itself out, thankfully. But now it's a little bit different. So. Um, so this guy owed me, oh, I can say, $136,000 in product that I'd supplied him, yep. chemical and seed. And um, as I said, I'm not Robinson Crusoe here. This just happens too regularly. Anyway, he sent me a text message. He'd, he'd been, he's always been, a, always been a slow payer, but he paid. Yep. This time he was slow and I kept on messaging, ringing him, whatever else, and saying, and he's, yep, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, as they all say. And I remember I was driving back from mum and dad's one day at the farm and no phone service, and I come back in the phone service and ding, the phone went and I had a text message sent me from this guy saying, just let you know I've gone to voluntary liquidation. You're joking. You know, what's that mean? <laughs> it doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of knew roughly what it meant, but not totally anyway. Yeah, anyway, that's basically putting the, the white flag up as, a, as a, um, a debtor, if you like, saying I can't pay my bills. Legally. Yeah. I can't, can't, can't pay you. So we obviously went through, and then I was one of 70. People? Yeah. Jesus, how much yeah. money do you owe? Oh, means. Um, so, well, not means. It might have been 1.5 or 6 million, I think. Yeah. But there was, a, there was a, several pages of it. As I said, I think it was 72 or 75. Unfortunately, I was, as a sole one, I was one of the ones at the top because unsecured too. 
Um, the, what do you mean? Unsecured? unsecured meaning that banks obviously have security over debt. Yeah. Um, if you don't pay, they will take something off you. Yeah. In in short, um, I had nothing. I had nothing nothing in place. And there's often the case in business like ours. There's not a lot of security that. Uh, we have things structured differently now for yeah. obvious reasons, but back then I didn't have any security. So he was able just to wave that, wave that white flag and walk, and he did. He promised me that he'd, he'd pay me back, but that's never evolved, never happened. And have you talked to him since? I rang him quite a bit, I guess in hope that he might come up with 10 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, he'd take it, mm. um, but that never happened. So it, it actually, that, and I'll probably evolve that a little bit later, but that um, impacted me a lot more than I thought. I, I just panicked like hell at the time, thinking, how am I going to uh, hold my house? How am I going you know, to lose this business that I've just started to develop and evolve? Um, I had young kids, married and young kids. So it, it, it really screwed with me. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, got th- I got through it. Um, well, I thought I got through it. Well, I did. I got through it from a business point of view. And I just remember thinking at the time, I'm never, ever going to go through this again. I'm going to put some structures in place. No one's going to burn me. And yeah. no one's going to try and take this business away from me. Um, so I guess I really put, um, you know, head down, bum up, and yep. got right into it and, and changed the way I did the business. So out of that, I dropped off the things in the business that I was doing that I didn't really have a passion for. So it was animal health and merchandise. There was another business in town. Cranberries were still doing that sort of stuff. I felt yep. that the clients we dealt with weren't going to miss out. We just started to focus on the things I had passion for, which was agronomy, yep. which was seed, which is um, ag- chemicals uh, for in-crop spraying, that sort of thing. Uh, Fertiliser and grain. That's, what, that's where our passion was. And so... Once again, out of every negative, there's a positive, and the, and the positive was that it made me re-look at my business. I had to cash in some money to cover that debt, so I had about 150 grand worth of merchandise on the floor, which I pretty much just sold and didn't replace. Yep. That was the first thing I did. Um, so, so you just expected to take the hit? There's no, like, you, you can't get insurance in the business now? Or you, you can't get insurance. It's quite expensive. Yeah. And we've got other things in place now through a third party, which has taken all those risks out. Yeah. Um, so we're a lot more secure now. Yeah. But, you know, if you didn't go through those, those sort of situations, you don't learn and we probably wouldn't have those things in place now and we're a lot bigger company than what we were back then. Yeah. So in 2013 that all happened and we got through it. In 2014 um, the business evolved again because I had a guy from up at Sonata um, who I'd known for some time approach me uh, and said, look, rang me up and said, would you be interested in looking at opening up in Sonata? And I said, oh, geez, I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. Um, so that afternoon he drove down. We sat in my office. After about two hours, we shook hands. And um, that was in February. In April, we opened the doors. So we had to find a brand-new premise up there. We had to find staff. We had to get a computer system in. We had to get stock up there. And all those things happened within six or eight weeks, was, which when I sit back now is quite remarkable. It happened pretty quickly. But the idea of his approach was that all things being equal, and if we get along, um, he wanted to get involved in the business as a partner. Yep. And his son, that's Brett and uh, Tristan Douglas. And also I had um, a guy been working with me for a couple of years who I'd promised that all things going well, he'd get a chance to get in the business. So that was Zach East. Yep. So in 2014, we had a bit of a handshake agreement that all things going well, over the next 12, 18 months, we'd sit down and draw up an agreement. Yep. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's what happened. So I guess now, um, yeah, those guys are partners along with myself. I'm still fortunate to have the majority of the shareholding, um, but we, we all have similar input. There's no standover merchant from my point of view. I, I, I embrace change. I embrace people's ideas, and I've been searching for people to come into my business for some time. When, when Brett actually contacted me, he didn't know that. But, so it's worked out really, really well. Um, you know, we're similar people. Brett and I are probably reasonably similar people, but we're all not the same, mm. um, which is good. So, yeah. I, um, I think the big, the big reason I wanted to have you on today is I wanted you to touch on, if you're willing to open up a bit about it, but, and I, I sort of want to learn this sort of stuff too, is the work-life balance. Mm. Um, if, do you want to explain a bit about... Well, I'll make it clear I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, 
So probably to finish off that story a little bit, you know, to where we get to, we got to today without going on a hell of a lot more. But so we, we shook hands and said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this in 18 months' time. So 2015, we had to formalise this deal. Um, the hardest thing was there was no, there's no protocol, there's no template on the market for, for buying into a business, other than the obvious thing where you go, okay, here's the business value. Yep. If you want 10%, you're gonna pay 10% it's worth. You gotta understand when people are coming, a lot of people have been on wages most of their life. They haven't got a lot of cash to be able to buy into a big enough business which are turning over millions of dollars. So I wanted them in the business. I could see the growth we'd got in 12 to 18 months, that this is gonna be well worth it. So I had to sit down and try and work out how this is gonna happen. I got an independent umpire in because I was nervous about what they were thinking. I had my way uh, my thoughts of how we should um, get them introduced in the business, um, how it should be valued, all that sort of thing. There's, without going into a lot of depth, there's a lot to consider. Mm. Uh, my family was at stake with it all. Um, I'd had 14 years of hard work to get that business to that stage, so I didn't want to just give it away. Uh, but they were bringing to the business that no capital, no cash, but a, a good clientele, yep. and that's worth a lot of money. Um, and as I said, there was no template out there, so I got an independent umpire in, as I call it. It was just a guy who had um, he was in, involved in the insurance industry out of Melbourne. He had a really good understanding of what was, um, uh, I guess, what should be expected from both parties. And, and the idea was just to keep me keep it as independent as possible. The whole process of how we're going to, um, you know, what it, meeting everyone's expectations within reason. And I rang a lot of people, like-minded people in business like mine from right around Australia, some of those other NRI businesses, and, and people had done it various ways and, and it hadn't been successful uh, for some because they expected too much. They expected too much of their business and, and the people coming in couldn't afford to pay that sort of money. Anyway, I, I, I thought and thought about it over a long period of time and I woke up 2 o'clock one morning and got up and jot down on paper exactly what how it was going to work, and probably ninety percent of what I wrote down on paper is actually what we did. Yep. It just came to me, light bulb moment. Okay. Yep. Um, but that was challenging. So, yeah, I, I won't elaborate obviously on how that works, but it's a it's a system where there's a bit of give and take, um, a bit of self funding in there. I I, uh, I guess give them a couple of years to leg up to build a bit of equity in the business, yep. but in between time I was doing very well of it as well, but. Um, fast forward now into 2021 and the business has uh, quadrupled in size, mm. I suppose. We now have 13 or 14 full-time staff. We have two solid branches. Um, we service about 150 farmers on a regular basis. We'll probably deal with another 150 to 200 farmers on a part-time basis. Um, covers a fair area from Ballarat right through to Bort, Birchip, sorry. And for from Bendigo over to Hordes, Stormano, geographically, that's a that's about our circle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so work-life balance. Work-life balance. Okay. Let's go on. I want to learn something here because. <sighs> all right, all right. So in short, um, after that, after that situation with the uh, with the guy, the bad debt, I uh, I think it affected me a lot a lot more than I thought it did. And, and I was such had such determination to make my business work, and I've, I've touched on roughly you know the things that evolved over the last six seven years since then, eight years. Um, and I'm also a, a very social person. Mm. Um, I heavily involved in the community with football and sport in particular around the Maribyrnong area. Carisbrook, Carisbrook. I'm the um, been a president, was a president there for eight years. Was a league president for four years. Was uh, on the AFL commission here in Ballarat for. F- two or three years um, and in short just a um, uh, just going to meeting after meeting most time through the week working through the week as well um, not had a young family and a wife and didn't probably spend enough focus enough time there well I didn't yeah. um, you don't see those things you just think you're trying to build a business and, and a future for your family you think you're trying to build a successful club so your kids and family got somewhere to go down the track um, I socialised a bit as well, um, not the wrong way, but yeah. I, I was very much involved in in celebrations and all that sort of stuff. You want to, you want to, like, yeah. I get like that's that's. I feel, feel like that's the road I'll, I'm sort of heading down. I, I feel I feel like 
and you said something to me before um, we had our first kid and you said just make sure you know you're around and stuff like that mm. and it's very very hard to do because you want to build something that then you can sort of you you're thinking about where the future is going to be and you're all, you almost just want to sit back not sit back but you want to build the future for your family to then sit back after it so it's a very very hard thing to balance out it is it's it's, it's, most people have this challenge at some stage in their life, whether they own a business or not, just that work-life balance. And so I became more aware of it 2017, 2018. I didn't probably think it was going to end up where it ended up, to be honest, from a personal point of view. I remember doing a talk um, to with, with our buying group NRI. We have conferences, as we all do. We had one in Perth this one time, and they... Part of the conference was to get up shareholders as, such as ourselves and, and share some experiences about our business. There was about 100 odd people in the room and my topic was to talk about how our business evolved, how I got shareholders involved in the businesses and these are the guys I mentioned before, how they buy in, how do we structure that, how did it all come about. So I did that talk and then was, it was actually so nice because often you do public speaking and I'm not the best public speaker. and. You can look around the room and you gauge whether people are engaged or not. Um, and, and they were 100% engaged. It was eyes glued to what I was saying. So I thought, I'm, I'll make the most of this. Um, but I said at the end of the talk, one thing, guys, I haven't got right, and I, I, I can't quite answer the question, is trying to get this work-life balance between family, between business, between social. And I reckon out of 110 people in that room, 95% of them nodded their head. Yeah. Because we all go through that. So um, I hadn't got that part right. And yeah, one reason, for you know, various reasons, and it always takes two parties involved. But we, uh, me and my wife at the time separated in um, early 2019. Um, and it, it wasn't good, like none of them are. Um, there wasn't anything untoward. It was just probably that work life balance wasn't right. And, and and sitting back and uh, focusing on where you need to spend your time because there's only so many hours in a week mm. and it just seems to go that quick. Yeah. Um, so we, we drifted apart, I guess, basically. And, um, yeah, so that was that was awful to go through. Um, but uh, not Robertson Crusoe. Um, but one thing it did do was make me sit back because if you don't, it's one of two things you can do when you go through a separation or a... Or a um, some type of low moment is you can drown yourself in sorrow and and um, hit the grog and mm. party and just do that. But or you can turn around and try and get yourself back on that horse and and work on positives. And there was no there was only one way to do it for me. I think is was to actually start working on positives. So I moved down here to Ballarat, as you know. Uh, kicked me out of my house. Just kicked you out of my house. <laughs> Josh and fair, Taylor yeah. were living in a nice little apartment I had down there, and uh, I said, "Guys, you're gonna have to leave." Yeah, see you later. <laughs> no, fair, I get it. Um, and I moved down here, and I started going to Josh's gym, I know, and yep. and enjoying it, and uh, walking, and just worrying about getting Troy back on deck because Troy wasn't tracking real well. Mm. Um, I had my kids, obviously. I um, the time I think they were eight, ten, and twelve, so they were young and, and very dependent. Um, so I, I had to stand at the plate. Uh, otherwise, I was going to lose more than that. Mm. Um, you know, I guess I did. It evolved. And, uh, you know, I guess m- me and my uh, ex-wife, we, we, we talk, um, we get along reasonably well. We we are so passionate about making sure those kids are front and centre. It doesn't always work out like that. Yeah. But I think, I like to think respectfully, majority of the time, those kids are front and centre. Yeah. So we try and keep it as reasonably normal as possible um, because they're our world. And, um, yeah, so, and you know, I sit back and look at those kids, and I, I think they are largely untouched. They, they, well, they, so a lot of these separations can affect kids badly, and sometimes kids are used as a pawn, yep. pawn of a better term, yep. um, and that's not healthy. But these kids seem happy in their life. They're not, they're not um, I don't know, I just don't see them have been largely affected there would be obvious effects, but they wish things were differently. But they understand the, the new world that they're in now, and they're they're embracing it. Yeah, definitely. What um, what have you what have you what, do you have something now that you sort of to deal with that 
that stress or that work-life balance at work, do you have anything in place now that you sort of sit back and sit back and like, or use like every every week? You go on, you sort of sit back and maybe evaluate. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I do have a constant weekly um, regime or monthly regime that I try and fall back into. I, to be honest, through COVID, like a lot of other people, I think I got out of my routines a bit. Um, I I put a lot of weight on there when I was uh, towards the end of our uh, marriage, and um, I when I moved to Ballarat and, and uh, started going to the gym, I started trying to be positive and doing all sorts of stuff and eating healthier and whatever else. And I, and I lost twenty kilos, and and I felt amazing. And people commented and said, "You look good. That makes you feel good." You don't want to be told you look good, but you just feel, yeah, you feel makes better. you feel better. So so that just and people talk about this all the time. And clearly, it has a massive impact on your mindset. So I, I felt good about myself. I felt good on top of work. Things were flying. I could achieve. Yep. Um, I felt through COVID, obviously, and a lot of people did a lot harder than I. Um, we were lucky with business to be able to keep evolving and working, whereas a lot of people had to shut down. And it was a terrible time. Um, and there's still no doubt affected. We were, we were very fortunate. But um, just with the gym shutting down and just bad habits, mm, they creep, creep back, back in. in. Don't they? they do. Many, and like even a lot, of, a lot of clients that there were some that were you know, fine all the way through. They had more time to train. They were happy as Larry. And some just went down the drain. Yep. Even though they had the stuff in the garage. Yep. Went to shit. Yep. It's discipline. So um, that, that's an excuse. Yeah, that's that's what that, happened. But everybody goes through. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just finding myself now trying to get myself back on track a little bit again. I'm, you know, I'm busier than ever from a work perspective. I've got a new partner, uh, Michelle, and she's... Ripper. Fantastic. Yep. She's a ripper if you're looking for a good trainer. Mm. Well, maybe not at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> Shell Stenius. Um, I actually met her through your gym, Jossie. She did. I, do you want to get, I teed it up. He did tee it up. Well, well, do, well, you know, do you know the story? Do you tell the story about how I teed that up? Well, tee it, you tell him. Yeah, well, so <laughs> at the gym, uh, Troy might have made a comment about who's um, who's that good-looking lady over there. Yep. And Just getting I, I didn't want to get Michelle involved with Troy only because I thought Troy might be drinking a bit or something um, <laughs> and I knew that she wouldn't put up with that. Like, she's she's so, like, she's such a nice girl. And, um, lady, what have you called? So, anyway, I might have then floated the idea to Michelle and said, oh, Uncle, I'll ask something about you. And she goes, did you? What, what, what did you say? And I was just like, oh, I just said, who's that? That's about it. And then walked away. And I think I floated it for a couple of weeks and then she might have said, you can give him his number. Give, give him, give him my number, and then <laughs> I just remember <laughs> at Christmas he sent her a message <laughs> and said like, "Merry Christmas, Michelle." Out of nowhere, <laughs> she goes, she goes. Um, didn't she say who's this? <laughs> I was I put a little bit of picture to it. Hey, it took me after I got a number. It took me two or three weeks just to have a bit of Dutch courage. So yeah. I um, was up the river with my family. Yep. Mum and Dad and the kids. Oh, this up Christmas Eve, yeah, uh, up in Moama. Decorate, yeah, decorate, yeah. And um, it got to about 9, 10, 10 o'clock at night and everything was ready for the kids. They'd gone to bed and I yep. uh, just had a few wines and up with the old man and felt quite happy in life. And um, I thought I'd send a message to Michelle. Just forgot to put my name to it. <laughs> Hi, Michelle, hope you have a fantastic Christmas. Who did? <laughs> anyway, no reply, of course. And like, uh, next morning I get a text message back, thanks very much, who is this? Uh, right, I forgot about that little important <laughs> point. Uh, so that was um, that. That's how that evolved a yeah. little bit. But I feel like she's had a, a great influence on you. I think. Not to say you were bad before, but I just know that, like, you wouldn't have drank anywhere near as much as like compared to back in the day. Like, like I feel like, like a drink. A lot no, sorry, much. I'm not saying like. No, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not saying you like that. But I'm just saying that, like, compared mm. to. No, no, I, I'm, I'm happy with her. Obviously, she's in the fitness industry, which which I love. Mm. I do enjoy that when I actually do it, get off my backside and do it. Yeah. Um, so she's a constant there, which is great. Um, she, she's probably a different person I've, I've um, been with before. And, um, you know, the fact that she is a local Ballarat girl who's travelled over the UK and lived over there for 15 years and achieved a hell of a lot. Um, off her own bat and to come back here um, she's a really interesting po- person to talk to and and, um, and really easy person to, lo- person to love genuine genuine as it really comes to mind yeah yeah so um, yeah so so 
No, Josh, I didn't abuse the privilege. <laughs> when we talk about um, drinking, okay, just so everyone's clear. Yeah, so when you, no, I'm, I'm making you sound like you're an alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic, but I'm saying that, like, more of an influence that... I think we grew up in an era um, where we... Mum and dad weren't... Mum didn't hardly drink. Dad didn't... Was, I can never remember dad having too much to drink at all. He'd always have a few beers, but he's always fine. Whiskies, yeah. Yeah. Wade and I and, and uh, all our friends would, would party up like second... You know, play up like second-hand victors. It's still like that, though. The culture's... It can been, be... Well, it, foot, not, no, I mean, I mean, not you guys. I mean, like, footy clubs and... Culture, yeah. Yeah, the culture that's around it. So I don't blame the club I was at. I mean, every club, it was just the culture at the time. Yeah. It was it was surrounded by alcohol. And... Um, still is, though. It, it still is, yeah. So... So we grew up like that, and um, yeah, you got to measure out your own, um, you know, uh, how often you're doing that sort of thing. But, mm. but yeah, so I, I, I enjoy it. I actually enjoy a drink from the fact that it makes me relax. Some of the best business ideas I've come up after having a couple of drinks. Couple of frothies. Yep. Do you like beer? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I used to love heavy beer. Now I convert into, and I used to hang shit on everyone who drank mid strength. Did you? <laughs> I wash, I call it. Yeah, I wash. I wash. Okay, yeah. And um, and now I'm the one who drinks I wash all the time. I hope you. No, and I, I, I quite enjoy that. Mm. And a, a little bit of red wine. But yeah, so um, Michelle's been great, and um, and now we're uh, expecting 17, 18 weeks into uh, her pregnancy. Yeah. How do you feel uh, this time round compared to? And you silly, like, you probably got more... Do you have more time on your hands? Like, you, you've got more flexibility, I should say, yeah, not more time. I do. Yeah. In fact, when I go back to work-life balance, one thing I was working towards was by the time I was 45, get to a situation where I um, had time to do those things with the kids. Yeah. And from a family point of view, I, I, I worked... I had in my mind how I was going to do it, and and I finally got those stuff in place, and the business could justify all that sort of stuff, and I found that little bit of flexibility. Mm. So the work-life balance, I was actually working towards ticking those boxes. Um, yep. So I have that. I do have that a lot more here. Um, I've got I've got a, a lot of work to do, as all the staff do, and, and um, but I, I can get the opportunity to get away and have that bit of flexibility that I need. So it will be interesting this time around for sure. Mm. Um, about to move back to Ballarat. <sighs> Got a nice little pad. Yep. Um, in July, moved back to Ballarat. I'm looking forward to that because I really enjoyed it. When I moved down here for eight to ten months, I loved it. Yeah. It was, and um, yeah, it's cold, but. Um, nah, four seasons. I say this to everyone that comes on. I'm like, you four seasons. It is cold, but there's still, there's still a lot to do here. Oh, it's, it is. There's so much to do. And, and for me to work, it's 45 minutes back up the road. Yeah. Heading north to Maribyrnong, so or, there's plenty of business I can do on the way there and phone calls. And yep. I've got two, two of the oldest boys are a fellow grandma mm. um, now, so we're going to live they live 900 metres from, from where their school is. So It's a, it's a nice venue, guys. Oh, what? It's, it's, I said it's a nice venue. It's a nice place that you've scooped up. Yeah. How was the housing market um, pricing? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty expensive around Ballarat, isn't it? Yeah, can be. Um, so yeah, it's all. It's I guess it's all coming together. So how am I going to handle being um, going through? I guess the baby. Mm. Um, I, I guess I'm looking for. Oh, well, I'm not guessing. I, I am looking forward to it. I get um, some tips at the moment. If you want. Mm, I, I remember a few, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking forward to it. You know, Michelle's um, has Alana, uh, who she's had now for two or three years. She's um, she cares for her, and, and Alana's sixteen, coming up seventeen. Um, so they got a great relationship, and um, you know, I think Alana's looking to, forward to the opportunity to have a little um, brother or sister. Uh, and my three boys are as well. They're all they're both looking, or they're all looking for the opportunity as well. Looking forward to the opportunity. So, yep. um, good times ahead. But it's going to be interesting. Michelle's. Um, as I said, what, 17, 18 weeks now. She's starting to feel it a bit. Um, is she feeling sick or not? She's been flat, lethargic, a yeah. little bit sick, um, aches and pains. Her body is, is um, she's a fit little, fit little person, mm. as you know, and, and I guess um, just that change in, in coming into motherhood and, and the body evolving around having a baby and this sort of stuff, it's, yeah, she's feeling everything, I think. She'll but, be awesome. She'll be awesome, mother. Uh, unreal. Mm. She'll be fantastic, so... Um, more on a personal note, what's uh, the best memory you've got of your favourite nephew? <laughs> Josh. Yes. Uh, I have four great nephews. The best, I said. Uh, I do actually remember, we had, we, when we planted that vineyard, we talked about this wine that they're giving away at the moment, and actually one thing I want to pull you up on, what? you call it Pa's wine. 
It's actually your father's. Well, if we want to get serious about this, Palmer's the only one that used to do stuff on it. That's you, true, but we come you. up with the money. <laughs> we had the money. So it's actually L, W and T Driscoll on the bottle. Thank you. Yeah. So when we were planting those grapes, Josh, um, I can't remember when it was, you are in a little tacker, and we no sooner got up there, you were helping us plant. I would have could have been four. Away. Yeah. How old? Four years old. Four, four or five. She's had the Maybe no, six. Yeah, it's a bit later, wouldn't I? Yeah, Not much older. Yeah. Anyway, Josh is there, little short, little solid little fella, little Dorset lamb, we'd call him. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, we'd no sooner go up there, we're starting to plant a few, dig a few holes and, and put the vines in and thought he could help him water them or whatever else. And he said, Uncle Troy, when can we go home? <laughs> <laughs> Been there for half an hour. Yeah, I was probably wanting to get on the Xbox. So I was a bit tired. Oh, so. oh. Uh, fantastic. Uh, I think we'll go to some questions. Troy, mm. Troyzy, Uncle Troyzy. Um, what's something someone would be surprised to know about you? Mm. Mm. Had a lot of skeletons in the closet. Closet. Um, probably the fact that I went to ag college and I didn't complete my course. <laughs> There you go. A little bit <laughs> embarrassing. Is the fail probably is a fail of second course? I went up there when I was sixteen. Yeah. How, how'd you get there? What were you? Yeah, I lived, mum and dad drove me up and pretty yeah. much um, Just left you there. Dropped me off and mum cried for a little bit and then uh, oh, she yeah. left. Lyle was gone. Let's go, Brenda. <laughs> That's exactly what he'd say too. So I moved. Yeah, I moved up there and you're on campus all the time. Had no vehicle, but I, I, in hindsight, I was too immature to go away and live. Um, and study that next level. Not, I mean, there's plenty of kids go away and, and, and live and board and whatever else. They do that a lot younger than 16. But you've actually got to take a bit more responsibility. You've actually got to drive your own education a bit there. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. I think I got up there and learned how to drink really well. Um, where, where did they, they just go to the washroom or something? He'd drink in your dorms back then. And yeah. the Doom pub was a couple of k's in the road. So he'd jump in the back of a ute and go down there. And it wasn't all the time. I mean, you were studying and doing your, doing your subjects. But... Um, it was very easy, easy to be social up there. Yeah. Anyway, so I did. Got through the first course, no worries. And I don't know. I, I just think I got to be bored with myself. I probably should have gone away after that first course and, and worked for someone for twelve months, two years to realise wh- why I was doing all this study. Yeah. But I didn't. Um, and that that last year, which is my third year, so I was eighteen or nineteen, eighteen or so at this stage. And I and I think my focus just wasn't there. I had no heart, no desire. Um, and I just didn't finish all the course. Yeah. Which, you know, to this day still irks me a little bit. Um, I actually went back and um, several years in the track when I worked for Pioneer when I was in my 20s, and I started to revisit and started to finish that course, um, what do you call it? By um, correspondence. By correspondence, sorry, yeah. And I started flying through it, absolutely flying through it, because I'd been in the work industry for a while and just everything made sense. It was so clear. Yeah. and then I got a job with Pioneer and I thought, well, what do I need the rest of it for? I got too so busy with that. didn't finish it? No, I didn't finish it. Oh. And then, Jossie. Yeah, <laughs> and then we started, Driscoll Ag started to, cause we, so we changed the name from Driscoll Seeds to Driscoll Ag in about 2013. Yep. Just because, just uh, better clarify our offering to, to our clients. Yep. It wasn't just seed, it was everything else. Yep. Um, and we started doing a scholarship at Longer Long for young students. Um, up-and-coming young agricultural people who wanted to study in agriculture, whether they wanted to be a farmer or work in the service side of things or research and development. We've got a big passion for supporting young people in, in ag, and we will always have that. Um, but our first program was was a scholarship program, and so in short, we, had, in, we interviewed 12 kids for our scholarship up there one time, and I was talking to the principal, who I actually was up at Ag College when I was there originally. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he said, you've grown up a little bit. Yes. Yes. Um, So I I started feeling with him again, saying, "Look, I never finished that course. I I won't have any subjects." This was about. You trying to get get him to sign you off a bit? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I just do a couple of assignments, can they just tick that box and I've I've done it? Uh, Anyway, never did. So still don't have it? No, I don't. I don't. Which is a great thing. Like the the positive, like you got to turn it. Positive ever negative, and the positive I say to my kids now is don't listen to dad, but don't do as I do, as I've done, do as I, do do as I say, say, and I tell them yeah. what I haven't achieved yep. and how it made me feel. Yep. So you get to share those experiences, and um, yeah, but it, it probably it makes the road a little harder 
to, um, not, to not finish that sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 That's, like, I think that's as long as you learn from it, like you said, you give, tell the kids that and yep. you're open about it. Yep. Um, I, don't think, no, I don't think Wayne would have told, my dad would have told me that. No, probably no not. Chance. <laughs> no chance. No <laughs> chance. Uh, what do you love most? Um, apart from family. Apart from family, yeah. Um, I like challenges. I love constant challenges, whether it be personal or whether that be business focused or or with sport. Mm. I love challenges. I don't know. I just seem to be that sort of person that if I know, if I set me goals on something, I want to achieve it. Yeah. Um, I get bored with life if it's just doing the same mundane thing year after year, yeah, even in business. Have something in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And what I love is that I've got from a what we have from a business point of view is some really good young staff coming through who have come through ag college and all those sort of things that I spoke about and you can see, you, you just relate to them mm. how I was when I was 23 when I mentioned before you know going into um, work for Pioneer and, and I just want to share as much of my experience good and bad as possible to these young people and um, and they love it. they love talking about it yeah um, so yeah I love that Awesome. And we just touching on that scholarship program. We now uh, we've had several programs since, but we, our latest program we have with Triscoll Ag is Next Gen, which is Next Generation Farmers. So we pretty much promote it to all our clients' kids, and there's um, 24 participants from the age of 16 to 19 who have enrolled, and basically we'll we'll take them um, for a series of training exercises over three or four times through the year. Um, we get a little shirt done up for them and. Um, with their business name on it and next gen and, and the whole idea of that is just to bring give more opportunities to young people in our area and and give them the opportunity to learn more and understand more about agriculture and it doesn't have to be farming only it can be as i said from the service point of view they have to understand that agriculture is good good um, career to be in it's exciting it's moving places and we want as many people as possible uh, as possible involved in it um and work experience, we've got three work experience kids coming up at the end of June um, want to do work experience with us in the same week. Yep. We love that opportunity like as well. That's like a one-week work experience sort of thing. Yeah, so it's a younger age. You've got 14, 15-year-old kids. Yep. Um, you better be paying them. Hey? You better be paying them. It, yes, it's $5 an hour. <laughs> actually, it might be 5 bucks a day. No, I always give a bit more than that. We give a bit more than that. Um, actually, yeah, I love that. Speaking of work experience, this is I, I got paid a lot more in Ballarat. Um, let's just bring this bring memory to my head. I did a Booth and Lee real estate here when I was year ten. They paid me three hundred for the week. I was pretty, I was over yeah. the moon. Yeah, it was huge. Trevor Booth and um, and Philip Lee. Yeah, right. Eh? Unfair commission, so his blokes obviously. Yeah, that must must have been. I think it's Ray White now, actually. Yeah, right. Eh? Um, Is that right? Has there been anything in your life that someone said to you that hasn't that hasn't left you? My dad. Mm. So I get a bit excited at times and the words just flow quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and he used, to, he used to say to me, Troy, you've got a lot of good things to say. Slow up so people can hear them. Yeah, okay. Fair point, Lyle. So I try and remain slow when I'm speaking. Yep. Yeah. But he's right. Like, it's easy when, when your mind's going to minimise now, you want to get it all out at once. And um, so you speak a bit quick. You mumble a bit? Do you mumble a bit? Yeah, you know, that's where I must get it from. Yeah, I mumble. I'm shocking. Mm. Uh, and who would you like to see on the podcast next? Well, because I'm not a better person, it's, I hear that some of these other yeah. people... Well, um, what, you, what you hear of, like people around Ballarat you might have heard about or mm. you might not know at all. Well, there's some people in Ballarat who I know, I guess in a similar line of business, um, to, to mine or to ours... Um, Ash Millers from Western Ag and um, John Richards, who actually owns Goldacres and started Goldacres in Sonarded many years ago. Yeah, um, Goldacres here. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He started in Sonarded, and um, now both those guys. And it's not so much about agriculture; it's more so about their journey. Yeah. Because we all have a similar journey. Well, when you listen to a lot of the other speakers you've had on this podcast. People have got similar journeys, and that's what they're talking about is what they've experienced, and that's what's interesting when you're driving along listening to podcasts yeah. is, is people just discussing and talking about what they went through, good and bad. Mm. Both those guys being incredibly interesting because, um, you know, they're not only business people, but they're people who are involved in the community. They're people who put a lot back, a lot back in the community. Um, John Richards owned, uh, was a fair 
uh, owner of Pirate of Penzance, won the, won the Melbourne Cup with Darren Wick. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Yep. So when they when they won that, they went right around through the country, through through the Mallee where Weary come from and through St Arnold and showed them the Cup and did big presentations and celebrations and they brought the Cup to the, to the country. Yeah. John's also heavily involved in farming um, up around the Snarnet area. Um, his business is massive. Uh, his sons are heavily involved now. I think John takes more of a backward step, but he's still there. Um, but his experiences in life yeah. would be would be fantastic. Uh, and Ash Miller, um, as I said, similar business to ours, started a few years after ours. But he now has like, probably 12 outlets wow. uh, around Victoria and into South Australia. Uh, he lives not far from where I'm going to live, yeah. um, just in Drummond Street there. Drummond Street there, and he's um, he's a, he's about my age, a shade older. Um, he's a really interesting fellow and passionate fellow. And, and I know you do this a lot. Um, you do this a lot yourself, Josh. But people get afraid sometimes of talking to like-minded people, uh, people in the same line of business, because they're competitors. Mm. Ash is one of the first ones to sit down and have a coffee with you or a beer with you and have a talk about. It's not so much how much money you're making or not making. It's just business. Yeah. Um, not comparing margins or anything like that. Um, you can't do that anyway. But it's it just, yeah, it's just looking at your business from a, from a different direction. That's what often you don't do when you are a business owner. You get so busy working in the business that are on the business. Mm. Um, so I find those. And Michelle, of course, Michelle Steenhouse, my partner, mm. just just from a different perspective, um, her life experiences are, are fantastic, I reckon. She would be good. Really actually. interesting, Josh. Uh, do you have anything you want to leave the Barrett community with? Joshua, hey. <laughs> <laughs> just on the record, my name's actually Josh, but... Um, That's not, it's Josh. No, it's not, it's Josh. No, I actually, I'm looking forward to, to becoming part of the Barrett community. Um, Mirabar's still always going to be a home, my home. I'm still going to have a lot of involvement up there, businesses up there, whatever else, but... Mirabar. Mirabar. Um, but Ballarat, I do like... Do like Ballarat. Um, don't know a lot of people around Ballarat at the moment, but um, I guess no. I, I will, Josh. Yeah, walking the lake and that's it. Scooting yeah. around. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you being so open and honest. I'm, I have no doubt people will get something out of this. And mm. uh, if you um, want to contact Troy, Driscoll Ag got a website up now, don't you? Yeah. And Driscoll Douglas East Real Estate. Sorry, oh, we didn't talk much about no, that. No, we didn't. Anyway, we'll, 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 we'll pass over that. Serious too. Thanks, Troy. Right. Thanks, Josh. God bless. Bye bye. Same up. Thanks for tuning in, team. Once again, would appreciate any reviews you've got down below. Have a great day.